Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 73 of Death Readers, the podcast where we're reading through books for the first time. In this episode, we'll be reading through chapters 20 through 29. I know he doesn't really uh, number them. Um, so f- if you're keeping track, it's control through breeding sites. That's what I got. And that's the control near or around page 115 mm-hmm. on my book. So look around there for a page called a chapter called control. And that's where we'll go. Yo. It's my first time reading this book, uh, as said earlier. Uh, Rob has read this book before. Yep. So as per our usual arrangement, he will be walking me through what he remembers about this book and uh, just generally books. Do you have any housekeeping? I've got so much housekeeping, actually. Well, let's just get to the housekeeping. Let's do it. So I've got one... I've got two housekeepings, which is down from so much, I know. Uh, I did some research on Movie Hammond's accent. Oh. Which turned up some interesting things. But before we get to that, I that was all I was going to do. I'm like, I'm good. But then I started feeling guilty because I'm a sucker. And I realized I should probably at least look for something by David Attenborough. Yes. Okay. So there is a... Uh, web streaming service called curiosity stream yes i know what that is you know what that is okay it's documentaries i i didn't know it i came across it was able to access it checked it out it's cool there's a lot of interesting content on here and some david Attenborough stuff the first one i selected i wasn't feeling it and i feel like they just got david attenborough as a narrator oh so you don't I, want that. No, well, I think I ended up getting that anyway, but it was a lot. What I ended up getting was better, but it's still not what you asked for. And that's on me because I didn't do enough research. <laughs> I found one call. It actually called itself David Attenborough's Light on Earth. Hmm. But I think it's also it has another name, It's a, but it's about bioluminescence. Oh, OK. It was gorgeously shot it was all you know very muted and dark with these special light nighttime cameras to really make all the colors pop and it looked great because of it all the human stuff you're like i can't even see this guy's mouth moving or david attenborough looks like he's in pitch black and they raised the iso so he looks like he's you know 1994 cd-rom video but the, everything right. else was just gorgeous. Slow motion fireflies. It was amazing. Um, he It ended up, he didn't write or direct that either, but he was, you know, presenting it as well as narrating it. Right. And it was right quite riveting. So I watched that. I will get to a proper David Attenborough uh, doc somewhere down the road. Well, I think at minimum what you want, and this sounds like what you got, is at minimum you want him presenting it. You yes. want him on camera. Yes talking and showing you the thing and being and doing, delighted doing stand-ups yes and that was he was selling yes. he was definitely like engaging um talking about the millipedes and how uh venomous they are and it's crawling around in his hand i'm like motherfucker you just said it was venomous <laughs> so like that i was i was anxious and i was engaged yeah sweet ah here we go here's my housekeeping email to myself so secondarily, or f- primarily, since it was what I looked up first, I had to Google what the hell is up with David or Richard Attenborough's accent in Jurassic Park, because he's not—he's oh, okay. not Scottish. Okay. 
I found a 2016 article from August 30th from the Scottish Daily Mail called Why Scots Whimsy is Left on the Cutting Room Floor by Shaban Sanat. Um, and I gotta say, just to comment on this article, why Scott's whimsy is left on the cutting room floor is never answered. <laughs> it, uh, it seems okay. to be an article about a new Scottish TV company called Hopscotch creating a TV program about Scottish stereotypes, but the questions raised by the title are never addressed. Just seems to I be... I don't know why I found that funny, but I did. <laughs> it just seems to be a laundry list of Scottish stereotypes used in various movies, productions. Um, people don't title your article like you're going to answer a question and then not get around to the question. That pisses me off. That's bad journalism. But in that, there were these paragraphs that I wanted to read. Not that weird Scott stereotypes have to stay home in the Booten bin. Don't know what that is. Scotland is credited as the country of origin for groundskeeper Willie, the red-bearded pugilistic janitor in The Simpsons, and Richard Attenborough's accent in Jurassic Park. The main evidence for his character, entrepreneur John Hammond, being Scottish, is a profuse use of the word laddie lashed to a vocal styling that travels speedily around the home counties before landing breathless and tired in some remote spot in the Scottish borders. Hammond isn't Scottish in the novel, which suggests screenwriters were left wondering which country might produce an engineering genius whose tragic flaw is a lust for loot collected at the expense of hapless customers of his dinosaur theme park. Scotland is the dispiriting answer weird it was kind of weird it was kind of i scottish umbrage at him using the act i don't know it's it's very odd but that's all i could find on it so it seems to be attenborough wanted to play it scottish i mean i will say uh david reminded me a lot of richard watching him in that documentary maybe richard didn't want to come off as you know someone enjoying dinosaurs being too close to his brother so he made him scottish i don't know Maybe Hammond is a Scottish, a popular Scottish surname. I I did not expect any of that research. So, wow. Um, (laughs) No idea, man. Hey, it's my sources. I mean, I guess my only other question is at least somebody else thinks he sounds Scottish because like. Oh, yeah. It's it's all over the Internet. This is just the only thing that looked like, you know, a a somewhat primary source, secondary source, whatever. But not just someone going on Reddit going, Wow. I watched Jurassic Park again. Do you remember him being Scottish? I don't remember him being Scottish. Yeah. Clearly, you shouldn't be watching movies or I have access to Reddit, sir. Yeah. <sighs> cool. Okay. So that's any, more, any more housekeeping? No more housekeeping than I have. What about you? Right. Do you have any housekeeping? I don't think I did. Um, well, I think then that just takes us right into the uh, the old chapters. Yes. I think that brings us to chapter 20. Control. My first page note is page 115. Actually, I have two on 115. Uh, and and actually, okay, I'll just read it because <laughs> it's actually kind of answered in like the last chapter of this mm-hmm. episode. Um, page 115. Did I miss the part where they explain how they keep a head count of the dinosaurs through control? I don't recall that information is what I wrote here. And I think at this point is they, they talk about like that they have them but by the end of the end of these chapters it's this whole like weird mixture of they have a billion cameras all over the island they can see every little nook and cranny of where the dinosaurs are and they have computers that track their movement and they do the whole thing later as we find out with the the numbers they put in and all this shit like well i mean we'll get but at to this that point, eventually but this it's is just like, in this is exact moment they don't share any of that but they do assert like we keep, we keep track of them well, yeah. I mean, they don't have 
I'm just surprised that this part, that none of the other characters were asking that question at this point. Sure. Like, none of the other scientist characters were like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? <laughs> how? They ask how for so many other things in, in the right, in early on, but not this one. I mean, on. I feel like some of it's they wanted, they, they, he, he couldn't just info dump straight for, you know, two chapters like J.K. Rowling. He uh, had to I break mean, it up and meet pretty, it out some. It's, that's true. He's doing, he's doing a, a pretty good job, but it has been like over a hundred pages of off an awful lot of info dumping. Oh, sure. Sure, 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 sure. Um, but he's making it more conversational. Yeah. That's, I think, what I mean. It's not if it was just straight technical specs for so long, we would just be like, uh, so he wanted to come up naturally in the conversation. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I, I, I liked the, the first big hint about unease with the Raptors. Um, will we see them? And it was like, no. And then Ed's there to be like, oh, I mean, it, 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 it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, just, just let you know that it's another clue that shit is not right. And while I, I, I get the Raptor introduction in the book, the big attack when they go look at him in the pen, and I understand how the book has to do it this way. I still, you know, I prefer the movies not showing yeah. until they reveal. There's so much of that in Jurassic Park, and it's so satisfying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 kind of the question I have about like why didn't the scientists ask before? Mm-hmm. Or like exactly at this point is answered or is is a is a good lead in from my next question, okay. which is, or my next note, which is, oh hey, the lysine contingency. Hey, what you were asking about? Um, yeah, exactly. Like I was asking about it. Here it is. Um, that's it. That's do, that's do just we, that note. My next. Do we know what lysine is other than an amino acid, like tryptophan? It's an amino acid that we we didn't we simply deny them. In the in the process what does of it how do they live in your body. Talk to me. Like, I'm watching Lorenzo's Oil and you're Nick Nolte with a bad Italian accent. Go. Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea how I would answer that. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know what lysine is or how uh, to answer that uh, question in the way you've asked or in a way that would be functional. Okay. Okay. Um, well, then. I guess like some, sounds like someone else has some homework. What is lysine, and how uh, would it kill dinosaurs within 12 hours? Uh, all right, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Science. Um, I only have another note at the end of the chapter, around Kindle page 134. I have a page note on... I have a lot of them. Go for it. Okay, then go for it. Uh, page 117. So Grant loves kids in the book. Yep. Yeah. Is what it says. Uh, I, I feel like this is pr- probably the biggest shift away from the movie to me mm-hmm. because they spend so much time on him in the in the movie about how he hates kids and how he d- just doesn't enjoy them and that that's part of his arc. Mm-hmm. I'm I have this weird feeling like if if I was a hardcore fan or the not even if I was but I can imagine hardcore fans of the book seeing the movie and being furious at how much he detests children. Uh, as as being a departure from the story. I don't think hardcore fans were as entitled in 1993 or 4 than they are now. Interesting. And I think they would have been like, Interesting. Eh, it's an adaptation. I don't think they would have been on their message boards or whatever going, oh, right. in a severe deviation from the source <laughs> text, the canon, if you will. Dr. Grant right. hates children? I don't think so. Not my Dr. Grant. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, I think they've been like, hey, I get to see a movie. Fun. <laughs> Man, what a what a much better time. Oh my god, it's so um, much better. Oh, oh shit. Uh, page one nineteen. Okay. Uh, is it's just this whole thing with the electric fences. Mm-hmm. The Raptors like hit the electric fence when they uh, attack the tour, and it sparks, and they ju- they jump back, and then somebody says uh something like oh they do that all the time they don't seem to mind and it's like what why why have an electric fence if it isn't a deterrent to touching the fence i thought that was going to be a a perfect lead-in because i you know at this point i'm starting to look out for anytime there's movie lines even if they're given to other people Mm because i'm noticing that a lot especially in these chapters i'm like oh this guy said that but that guy said that in the movie and and vice versa and i thought this was going to be um a lead into muldoon or somebody saying they test the fence in different places that's what he keeps they keep testing the fence was going to mean but it didn't seem to and i'm just i I, I agreed with you i was like but they're super clever but they're also idiots well this is the part in the movie where muldoon comes in and says they should all be destroyed right and and that line said earlier in the book right at a completely different location like right as soon as like they're looking i think at the baby raptor Mm -hmm. or or something like that i think is when he says that line um so yeah it's i i also have noticed the weird placements of lines and this would have been a good one for that one did that one come up again in the book already or did i did i just forget it because it was i don't think it's come up again okay um I, i mean i think spielberg is you know has a a he he can make your story better and he did that a lot with this it's good it's compelling it's fun it's great but he definitely knew how to i'm gonna take what you've got and make it better yeah except for one element that we get to in these chapters and finally (laughs) story arcs will be avenged right so my next note is on page 120 uh i'm gonna have to read a little bit so uh bear with me and pardon my uh, my my line readings. This is my this is my cold reading. This, so here we go. Okay. I, you know what? Actually, I'm going to tell you what my note is about this before I read it, and then so when I read oh. it, you can tell me if you hear it. Okay. My note okay. is that here here on page tw- 120, the interaction here in the conversation between uh, Alan Grant and Ian Malcolm is so like in sync, like they're so on each other's wavelength that it kind of reads like flirting. In a really weird way. So, I mean, to me, it's weird because it's just like, damn. You weren't expecting that. Yeah, I wasn't expecting them to just gel as quickly and as solidly as they did. Right. So here goes. Walking back, Malcolm said, they are remarkably fast. Yes, Grant said. Much faster than any living reptile. A bull alligator can move quickly, but only over a short distance, five or six feet. But lizards like the five-foot Komodo dragon of Indonesia have been clocked at 30 miles an hour, fast enough to run down a man. And they kill men all the time. But I guess the animal behind the fence was more than twice that fast. Cheetah speed, Malcolm said. 60, 70 miles an hour. Exactly. But they seem to dart forward, Malcolm said. Rather like birds. Yes. In the contemporary world, only very small animals like the cobra-fighting mongoose had such quick responses. Small mammals, and of course birds. The snake-hunting secretary bird of Africa, or the cassuary. In fact, the velociraptor conveyed precisely the same impression of deadly, swift menace granted seen in the cassuary, the clawed, ostrich-like bird of New Guinea. So these velociraptors look like reptiles, 
with the skin and general appearance of reptiles, but they move like birds, with the speed and predatory intelligence of birds. Is that about it? Malcolm said. <laughs> yes, Grant said. <laughs> I'd say they display a mixture of traits. Does that surprise you? <laughs> Not really, Grant said. It's actually rather close to what paleontologists believed a long time ago. I can hear the crackling fire. I can I can smell the <laughs> wine in the air. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum yeah, just something is about on that. the couch, <laughs> supine, with the shirt open. Just, just popping champagne and, and Grant's like, hey, we were saving that. And he's like, for today, <laughs> I guarantee it. Um, well, so, okay, just to step back for a moment, is there fine. a relationship between Grant and Ellie in this book? Yeah, I think so. A romantic I think one? It's, I think it's, I think so. Because I'm not getting I, that like I, I did in the movie. There's no I think butt it was swaps, addressed... there's no talking about having children. When when Gennaro's all over Ellie, Grant's like, Pfft, keeps happening, whatever. Which, he could just be open-minded, I get it, but it also could be like, eh, whatever. And so... I, I don't, I, I can't place it, but my memory is that in the first, in the first couple, the first chapters we see Grant, that's sort of, like, established. That's my memory of reading that was, that was two weeks ago or so, but, like, I, I, my memory is that it's sort of established as a baseline, like, yes, huh. they... They have some sort of relationship, but it's not like it doesn't overpower the story or their their activities. I'm just saying I can see it being easier to have this read in the book, no pun intended, um, because I'm not feeling that overt uh, no homo slash stay away from my girl right. vibe that was in the movie. So, right. I mean, yeah. Maybe oh, I they, see what you're saying. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're flirting when he said uh Komodo dragons can go about 30 miles an hour. And and then you say, but this seemed almost double that. And Malcolm came right back with 60 miles an hour. You could tell Grant was like, damn, you can do math. <laughs> Your brain's playing chaos with my loins. <laughs> which way is the drop going to go? I don't know what that means. Yeah, which way is he? <laughs> I'll let that be Dr. as Grant, the, as you want. The, the harsh Australian sun has left minor imperfections on your skin. Minor <laughs> imperfections. <laughs> um, my next note is on page 121. Just okay. uh, there's, there's something about how Crichton is writing Malcolm mm -hmm. that re somehow for me... And maybe it's just that he's just a really good writer, but it makes me feel like I believe Ian Malcolm's really smart. Yes. Something about it. Something about how he writes him makes me believe he's smart. I'm going to say, because I couldn't figure out a way to articulate this in a note, so I just thought it could come up and maybe you could help me out with it. Um, I feel like I'm getting a lot of character development from each character's dialogue. Everyone who yeah. says something helps define their character, and I think that's really well written and i've noticed yeah. a lot and malcolm's where i you know i'm like started to pick it out specifically you can tell he definitely enjoys writing for malcolm but I, it, it's it's throughout the book and i'm really liking it yeah i don't know i mean i know I, i've seen it I, i've seen what you're talking about in other characters 
but like it's I, I can't pick out a specific moment sure. or maybe like little things like I mean he he says he says a lot of the stuff out loud or like in narration anyway but like Mr. Arnold is constantly smoking and and like he you know is, he has his you know moments where he's like trying to communicate like that there's good reason why they're stressing out about certain things like it's funny how much he's stressing out about like the operation of the park and then like Wu's stressing out about like the how they should go back to making the dinosaurs more docile mm-hmm. and then uh Malcolm and everybody else is is talking about how oh it's it's absolutely dinosaurs are getting off the park and everything's going nuts and and it's kind of odd to see Hammond in that situation where all these other characters are showing you parts of their personality through their interactions in 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 this into the situ- situation to mm-hmm. the scenario and then have Hammond do his own showing you what his personality is which is apparently not being very good at managing a company oh like, my god <laughs> how how frustrating was that to read not in a, i'm frustrated with the writing you know but just like oh yes. i'm fr- i've had experience with people just not listening yes. to me yes uh, it, was, it was really well done yeah um and that is a good lead in you have something else to say at the end of this chapter Oh, um, the very end of the chapter, uh, I really, really liked Malcolm's long, drawn-out mic drop at the end of the chapter. Yeah. Where he just kept, like, he he asked questions, and it was clear he was going towards a point, but it didn't feel... Like, have you ever been in a situation where someone's asking you questions because they have a point to make, and it's it feels kind of condescending? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably usually that guy. Like, they're, they're, they're making you say, and why did this happen? And you're just like, oh my... And, yes. and, and they're building a case, and it's very obvious. He didn't feel like he was doing that. He was just kind of like, I'm going somewhere with this, but I'm not being a dick about it. And, right. And then, and now I've got everything, and we all agree that I've got everything. Fucking think about this. And I'm like, that was... I, I, I want to be Ian Malcolm. Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's... He's pretty cool. Well, I think that brings us to chapter 21. Version 4.4. My Mine is on Kindle page 136. Um, I have an overview, that, so that's that's okay. all I have for this chapter. I, I was just amused. Hammond's exasperation with Wu's abstract discussion reminded me of movie Hammond and the Nedry financial debate. Yeah. Just where he's, like, he's just like, we're not going to have another abstract discussion, are we? And I will not be drawn <laughs> into another financial debate with you, Dennis. That is just cute. I really won't. <laughs> I'm incredibly Scottish. Just ask Siobhan Sinat. Yeah, I, I, this, yeah, again, you get so much out of who that character is where he's just like, he's over being the boss. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he wants all the fun of being the boss with none of the responsibility anymore. Yeah. Hey, he, he's he, lost, he's, he's out of patience. He wants the world to bestow him with adulation like he's imagined for the last five, probably ten years. Right. We haven't, no, we 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 have we, we have talked about the amber of the books, right? Like the actual amber? use of the amber. They've talked about how they've gotten yeah, the DNA. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I yeah. couldn't remember. I just it seemed like they spent a lot more time in the movie on that, and and it just went by in dialogue. So that one passed me by. But okay. My overview is uh, it just it seems like Henry Wu is a bit of a hero here in the books, like trying to argue for a safer park, a less authentically aggressive dinosaur park, like doing what we've done to dogs and cats and domesticating these animals to make them more docile, more what people actually want. Like all of that makes total sense. It totally makes and, sense. That's, and that's selling and, the product. You have a park yeah. like Disney. Disney knew how to sell a product. You're not doing that. You want to do it on your, but on your own terms. And like, there's gotta be some kind of compromise with reality. Or that the sale, the, the, the product you're selling that it's like Hammond thinks that it's authenticity yeah, that it's it's uh, which is another main it's a big theme of this book, I think, is 
uh, as I, I have a note about it later, so I won't get too much into it, but it's this idea of the illusion of control, the illusion of the, the, they, they have mastered this thing they're doing. He has no um, control. That's the illusion. Exactly. But then, but what Hammond seems to be thinking the, if it's not, you know, authenticity, then it is danger. Mm-hmm. Then part of what he thinks he's selling in his amusement park is the threat of, is the threat, but, but the, the very unrealistic threat as he imagines it of being eaten by a fucking dinosaur. Like he, right. I think he thinks that's what people want when they come to the park which is like interesting if you read that as a metaphor for the writer of the book where it's like that's he he knows that's what we want he knows that's what we we as the audience do want and we do want it from a safe distance of just reading it on the page right we don't actually want to be at at risk of dying or being eaten but it's also a really the idea of henry Wu being an advocate for less dangerous dinosaurs is again in direct contrast eventually with the way his character goes in the film series I mean, it's been like 20 years. You can have a lot of change of hearts in 20 years, especially if you were promised you'd be able to publish and then you had to sign NDAs. You're going to get. But none of that is is in the movie world. Like none of that. Like B.D. Wong was a backup character in the in the in the movie. Like he's he's a big character in the book, but like his character in the in the movies is in one scene Mm -hmm. and he's not in in the next two movies and then f- he shows up again in the in Jurassic World. I think it's in Jurassic World, right? Yeah, it's Jurassic um, World. Cuz I haven't seen Jurassic World 2. Fallen Kingdom? Sure. Yeah, he uh but I've watched all of Camp Cretaceous. Nice. But he yeah, he shows up and he's like, "Oh yeah, we absolutely made this shit more dangerous." And it's like, "Wow, that's arch." <laughs> and just really I mean, I mean I, that was another pleasant surprise of reading the book. It's like, "Oh, that's that's a complete film contrivance. Cool." Uh, but anyway, that uh, if you don't have an overview, nope. then that brings us to chapter 22. Control. My page note here is page 129. It sucks when you do notes like this because sometimes you just get the answers later. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely have a this... couple of those. And I think I'm <laughs> actually wondering if ours is the same note now. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but so at this point, my note is so if the computer system sometimes lose track of baby dinosaurs uh-huh. because of their size, then it could lose track of extremely small dinosaurs like compies, which could be part of the, the part of how they got off the island. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we know. Uh... How they also we get a lot more information yeah. later. Yeah. yeah. Um, all of this is resolved by the end of our actual reading today, which is really fortunate. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, it ended on a cliffhanger. We got a little bit of action. We didn't get to the big action you wanted to yet, but hopefully uh, this was a It's a still good been reading. rising action. Okay. Okay, good. I mean, it's, it's, the raptor still... attack was, 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 was spooky. And there's certainly well, a lot the, of in the... atmosphere. And, and the getting out of the cars and the track is scary. Like... The idea of seeing the raptor, like like Timmy seeing the raptor in the in the woods, yeah. Eventually, like there's we get there, but okay. like there there okay. is there is action in these chapters. It's just it's still more like tension building stuff than it is like like I think I'm I have a feeling the next set of chapters will be a pretty big set of chapters. Yes, my page note is a uh, Kindle page one forty two. It's about Arnold. Uh, do you have anything before that? And this is still in chapter twenty two. Yep. Um, no, I, I, that was my only note. So okay, okay. Then it. Um, so again, my my note will also be answered somewhat later, at least brought up again. We can reflect on it more there. But at this point, I wrote Arnold keeps referring to the T Rex as he. I wonder if this will be commented upon. Um, and then at the end of the chapter, uh, 
Once again, Malcolm closing out the chapter strongly, if a little obnoxious. But again, he is a little obnoxious. That's kind of the whole point of Malcolm, so well within his parameters. Right. Um, I, that, that's, okay, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I have a note on page 145, yep. uh, in my book, which is in chapter 25, which I guess I'll do now because it's, it, it's related to the note you just said in a way oh. that's relevant. And that is that in, 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 at that point in, in page 145 is when I kind of had enough and I finally took down and noted that they keep using gender pronouns for the dinosaurs like incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, they, or at least, you know biological sex pronouns whatever you want to fucking call it like he <laughs> because because they 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 assign genders to these dinosaurs they call them girls they they do that but then they also start f- jumping around and 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 moving around and maybe and, and maybe that's what your note is is that like maybe we are supposed to notice that he's using the wrong pronoun because he's using it as a device to Im- to suggest to us that the gender is actually pretty fluid in this story. That, like, we don't actually know what the dinosaurs' genders are because they are breeding, they are managing to do these things, and it's, it could be a really clever, like, foreshadowing. It could be. I assumed it was like how... Um... When I had a dog, girl dog, so many people, even after being corrected 20, 30 times, would always refer to her as him and he. Yeah. Like especially, yeah. you know, men would – people People seem to identify the animal's gender as their own regardless of what they're told if they're not, you know, on a one-on-one ba- daily basis with the animal. Right. Yeah, The uh, I, I get that with my, my female dogs too where like – as soon as you walk up to somebody the first time, you go, oh, what's his name? It's like, well, her name is this. <laughs> and then like you walk them through that and, and it happens. So I, I kind of did also take it as a unfortunate byproduct of a, of a masculine default, which is annoying. But like, I mean, it could also be very, it could be to specifically sure. call our attention to sure. this, like the false dichotomy of the, the two genders and how that will, end up becoming a problem in this story sure were you gonna say anything else? I, I feel like i cut you off no no it wasn't yeah i mean it i'm kind of surprised i mean i think i think at page 145 is when is is when someone else maybe notices i don't remember why on that page i took such a hard note on it but like every time they refer to the t-rexes they refer to them as he or him mm-hmm and it just no no one's being really strict about it and it just right. seems odd um anyway that's that's i think that's our notes for chapter 23 uh chapter what 22 mhm so that brings us to chapter 23 the tour i have no notes for this chapter ah um one kindle page 150 uh this is one of those things it the first time i just glossed right over it didn't 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 even mark on it the second time it just seemed odd different times different writing styles but it's just one of those things um it was the second time michael comment michael Crichton commented on people being black oh yes and i'm like it it's not like you're introducing a character where you want them fixing the you know 
uh, the the reader's mind where you're like, Arnold was a black man with a cigarette constantly dang it if, if he was going the full Samuel L. Jackson route. Um, and you wanted to make sure we all understood that. It was just like two black men got out of the car. I'm like, it just, it, it was odd. It was just, it was just, hmm. I don't know. It, it took me out of the book a bit. I'm not even calling it out for anything. I'm just, it, 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 I noticed it. Yeah. Um, and then also on 150, a CD-ROM, behold ye Luddites technology. I, I liked how, how, I lo- how into it he went, how, how he uh, <laughs> described what a CD-ROM did and how it worked. And it was like a laser disc, but for computers, it amused me. Well, like, I mean, keeping in mind when this movie, like when, when were CD-ROMs like a big deal? It was like the... Or it was like the early '90s, right? Like the mid '90s. Were a big deal for everyone. I know. I he totally would have had. To, you're right. He would have had to describe this to everyone. I think they probably were in existence as early as probably '85-ish. But it, this definitely would have just just like dinosaurs are like birds. You would have to call that. But it was it was just it was just cute. It just took me back yeah. to old, really old video games that you played on your friends. You know. Well- <laughs> Uh, compact, no, even compact. Uh, Hewlett Packard. That's that's what seems like it speaks so highly to your idea of like here is the future. Because to me, I remember being very young, mm-hmm. like it, like three or four maybe, uh, and and I remember loading onto my computer at home uh, games or like programs that were on floppy disk. Like mm-hmm. they were on mm-hmm. like they they weren't on like eight or nine a, floppy disks. Uh, yeah, and they, and they weren't on like a, a CD-ROM or anything like that. So, you, uh, and that was in the '90s. Like that was, yeah. I, I was very likely in the '90s. Mm-hmm. So, like, for this book to have been written that much earlier, really speaks to me about how how significant that would have been to have like that. Like each car has a CD-ROM built into the dash. That's insane. Like. Yep. I mean, that's it's pretty futuristic, again, like to consider these things like this is something we have now in almost every car. Like we have a, a, a touch, a, a lot, a lot of new cars have, you know, touch activated monitors in yes. the dash that you can navigate through different systems with and, and control different things. That's a, a pretty standard feature on most new vehicles, it seems. True. So it's it's pretty cool that this is like one of those places where I don't know. I mean, I'm not a expert on anything but this is one of those earlier examples i think that i can think of of that being like not a futurism thing that was like oh this is the new xp 47 like integrated vehicular gui or something like that was like that's not a real thing he was like no this is a cd-rom system this is a thing we already have and i'm saying it's so it, it could be revolutionary if we used it like this yes Yes, that's a that's real like quality science fiction of being like, here's a thing we could have in 10 years. Like like when Steve Jobs got a huge order of one gig sized miniature hard drives and everyone's like, we don't know what we're going to do with this. He's like, let me put some earphones in it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's good. That brings us to chapter 24. Control. I have no notes for this control. All right. I've got uh, page 139. Uh, here it says, Arnold says that very few people actually go out into the park, but earlier Wu mentioned that the dinosaurs need the lysine tablet every 12 hours or they die. Uh, and that's on, that's as in, in these chapters, that's on page 115. So how are, my question is, how are they providing these life, essential to life tablets 
to the 200 animals in the park sure. if no one goes out there? Well, I feel like the animals have to be fed. So however that has to happen. That, uh, that's what I'm getting. They, they kind of mentioned that they well, have like, like we know the goat is, feeding it, stations or something. Maybe. And there are, we know the goat is uh, offered to the T-Rex from an underground holding pin. Someone has to get it there. So there's probably tunnels. So they might not go into the park, but they have access to all the animals. They it's can... just weird, man. It's it's I, like I, I, no, totally. You've you've fed dogs pills before, like super easy, the easiest. It, I'm not even joking. It, it, peanut it, butter, it, man. It Lucky isn't peanut butter. right, right. But you have to be like nearby. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> and you have to you have to get them to do the thing, and and in order to make well, sure. Okay, here, keep in mind that they need to stay alive. They talk about a lot in these chapters how much the dinosaurs are are valuable, like how mm-hmm. they won't kill them to even test these things or to dissect the Dilophosaurus, all this stuff. They won't harm these animals. So why is... And maybe it's just that it's not just being communicated to us. Maybe the Jurassic Park teams have all this shit on lockdown. And they're doing great. But, like, it just seems weird to have all these expensive animals out there who have this, like, 12-hour explode button or yeah, whatever I, it is I, 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 and I, I, have nobody out there hurt. yeah and nobody's figured out a better way to make sure that that gets distributed than if they eat it like for example again the stegos are getting sick sick every six months what if they vomit are you telling me these dinosaurs they, they clearly have gag reflexes as we learn later but like or some of them do so are you telling me that they are never going to puke up what they've eaten they're mm-hmm. never going to expel this this like crucial pill it seems too risky it seems too much for me do you think you could feed the lysine tablet to the goat i don't know if the no because i think the t-rex eats the goat i don't i think it would be diluted too much i think it's it's like most pills you need to have it the pill itself in your stomach you don't need the pill a high concentrated dose of lysine for a thing that's you know so many tons yeah so you're chomping through that goat you're gonna get it you probably shouldn't be chomping the pill you need to swallow the tablet whole like that ta- that's why tablet the tablet delivery system is problematic hmm. okay okay like you you if you chomp it you'll get it delivered to your system faster and if that if that isn't how the pill is designed then you're going to maybe mess up the the dosage or the i, I mean I just don't. It just it seems like pill was is suboptimal. It's all I'm trying I to mean, say. I mean, clearly, once again, we need to know more about lysine, and that's your job. <sighs> um, my next notes on page uh, one forty three. Okay, and that is that uh, along with the note about the gender pronouns, uh, I have a serious problem when people mix up the terms uh, poisonous and venomous. Yeah, that one surprised me for someone who was so into uh science clearly and was clearly doing a lot of research right I, I i noticed that and i was like that just seems lazy yeah yeah the idea that he uh he's sort of suggesting that someone has eaten the dilophosaurus and found out that it's poisonous right is uh is probably not what well, he meant to imply or the suggest dilophosaurus gave me the runs <laughs> yeah it's it's annoying. If they have venom, accepted. if they have venom, they're venomous. Yes. If they have, if they have poison or if they are poisonous, 
then they are poisonous. Now, oh, and that's a that's a question because I don't remember when he talked about them trying to remove the sacs. Did he call them poison sacs or venom sacs? I don't remember. Yeah, okay. It's not that it, it, not that it negates but, the earlier mistake, but it but was just... it's important because of frogs. Yep. Because frogs are there are poisonous types of frogs mm-hmm. who, if you eat them, will like you'll die or you'll get sick. You have a grand old time. Right. There are venomous snakes. <laughs> I think there might actually be poisonous they, snakes too, but I'm not sure. At least one. There all might be venomous frogs. I, I there's too many of all of them <laughs> to, sure. to for me to know. But but the main idea is that those are the different things. You're not going to have a. You're, it's unlikely to have something like a venomous plant. Right. It's possible you can have you can have plants that do th- uh, have toxins on them, and I don't know if that counts as being venomous uh, because. I guess I always imagine that's a a faunal feature. I don't know if that's the right term, but I'm like su- I'm not sure. I, I I would I would if I if I was if pressed if I was on a game show I'd lump it into uh, poison. I would too. But you have plants in this building that are poisonous. You have them because they look good. I, I don't mean, know if that's exactly what she says. Doctor Sadler not. knew what she was talking about. Why is she not real? Anyway, um, the uh, that's my note there. That and if you don't have any more notes for that chapter. That brings us to chapter 25. Big Rex. My note is an overview. Okay. Uh, mine is 165, Kindle page 165. Lex respects T-Rex gender. That has yep. to be on purpose, which is interesting. That She's the first one. Yeah. The girl calls it out, um, which if, if the whole gender f- fluidity is not being directly hinted at every time he, he has the misgender, the T-Rex, then it's just a really canny characterization of all the guys that right. I was not expecting from Michael Crichton up until this point. It's it's a more uh, sensitive approach to characterization. I was like, so, I mean, I'm open to both, but I have to at least... You know, give him props that that every time it was done before, that was a conscious choice on the author's part. Right. Yeah. I, and then uh, Malcolm followed it up too. Malcolm was like, "Oh no, the kid's right. These are uh, yeah. she. I'm going to start correcting you now." So good job, Malcolm too. Yeah, that's. That, I think that must have been why I took my page note mm-hmm. at this point because that's that's where it was for me. But yeah, it's legit. That, that's all I got for Big Rex. My, I only have an overview here, and that's just that the. Crichton's written in here some descriptions of the landscape of Jurassic Park that, as I read them, make me feel like they were written for a movie in mind. Like, they were written for establishing shots. They Mm -hmm. were written for transitional moments in in editing. Specifically, the description of uh, the Rex Lagoon at sunset. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't know if this is the moment or if it's later. I think I think there might be one. Uh, I don't remember where it is, but there's one where he describes like the volcanic plumes of 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 spray of or whatever the the like uh, superheated moisture from the volcanic vents uh, sprayed up into the uh, what do you call them? It was some sort of it was like the lights of the of the either the cars or the uh, or some overhead lights, but they made sort of like a rainbow across the this part of the of the enclosure. Mm-hmm. And talked about like how the sun was coming down and it was getting like, you know, really beautiful out there. And I was just thinking like, you know, that's that's a really interesting like it's a really interesting like description here. And I kind of wish that like Spielberg had done more of that in the movie. I don't know how he could have at the time. Sure. But like but it's one of those things that Jurassic World definitely does with their capacity to just generate 
landscapes. Um, but I was definitely thinking about like, you know, uh, that's one thing in my opinion, Jurassic Park, the film really lacks mm-hmm. is sweeping establishing shots. You don't get a lot of real wide wides. Right. You get a couple, but not a lot. You have to do a lot of the work yourself, like figuring out where you are and what you're looking at. We know. I mean, it. it I could easily, easily, easily. If we're talking, if we're going to bring Lost World Jurassic Park into it, argue that Michael Crichton has in the past written a book with a movie in mind. Oh. But we also know at this point he's he's directed at least one movie. He's he's got right. a, he he's has, got a knowledge of film language, so that could also be right. influencing his writing. Yeah, and also might be influencing my perception of his writing. True, because it's not like I don't know about Westworld. Um. I know, but I don't. I don't know if he directed, you know, like Andromeda Strain or Star Chamber or any of those. Well, then that brings us to chapter twenty-six. Control. Uh, my first notes on page one fifty-one. Uh, go for it. So this is where I want to talk about the theme of control. Okay. Which is the the name of the chapter. Okay. I think it's I think it's one of the stronger themes of the book so far, mm-hmm. and I think it's deliberately part of the themes going forward or the theme going forward is this an examination of the idea of control absolutely of, of this idea of um what we have control over what we should have control over what we possibly could have control over all these different things what, what happens when we believe we have control over something and we're wrong how the links we will go to as people as humans to have control over things all of this stuff is is addressed and analyzed in this book, and I think that it's no coincidence that so many fucking chapters are titled Control. Mm-hmm. I know that it's also the name of the location because that's how he's doing this, sure. but I think that there's a big like hint there in like wanting to make you understand how much of this book is preoccupied by control. He definitely knows what he's doing. Yeah, he he does. He definitely does. And he's doing it confidently and well. And 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 that's and you you mentioned potentially stepping on my line earlier. This is the part where I was going to talk about the ice cream scene in the movie where she says you never had control, that's the illusion because that it is. That's the whole that's that that's the moment I think in the movie we're supposed to realize that that's like the the point is like oh we should we shouldn't meddle. We really shouldn't meddle with this shit. Like we live in an Eden and we're fucking it up. I think that it's interesting that Crichton was, as far as I can tell from what I've briefly read, and I really should do more research on this where I continue to say this on our show, but um, an, uh, a global warming denier, an anti, uh, or a person at least insisted it wasn't human caused, which is kind of ironic considering like that's a perfect metaphor for what this book is talking about. Absolutely. Like, like like the idea that we are continue, we believed for our own, you know, so many people for so long believed that we could just pump CO2 into the atmosphere without any, in fight regulation trying to stop it. And it's going to make life on earth really difficult for many of our species and including humans in the next 50 years. Uh, and it's unavoidable and it just fucking sucks. So, you know, uh, figure out how to, how you're going to adapt because it's coming. Right. So, uh, so join our Patreon before uh, <laughs> everything's gone. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, one of the great things about our planet is this. That we have this thing. We have this wonderful, huge uh, organic lung on the planet uh, in South America called the Amazon rainforest. And what it does, it just sucks in all this CO2 and it just eats it and turns it into like energy for the trees that live there. And then it poops out oxygen so that we can breathe and we can, you know, poop out CO2 and then they can can eat up the tree poop. We can, we breathe tree poop and trees breathe our, uh, exhaling (laughs) and, and it's fucking great. As long as nothing happens to that huge, incredibly important organ on the planet, we should be fine. Fine. We should be fine. We're fine. fine. Totally fine. I only have an overview now. Oh, no, actually, I do have a note. I forgot. I was so disheartened for a moment. Uh, Kindle page 168. The red stripe, the diagonal red stripe on the Jeep. Mm. I just made me wonder... That's I, if I knew enough about a sp- subject like like how animals react to things, I feel like I could just poop out a factoid like that. Like, oh, that's the kind of thing that animals could have a thing with. Um, we we don't know why. Or diagonal red stripe uh, stops the Tyrannosaurus or the Triceratops from charging. Or do you think that's a real thing? Like actual uh, game wardens. Uh, people in you know places with big animals do to discourage charging rhinos say i that was exactly what i was going to say is i don't i don't know but i wouldn't be surprised if it was something he gleaned from learning about rhinos mm-hmm. um that they they because rhinos famously do this thing where they like they ram jeeps mm-hmm. they'll they'll run up right on the on side of them and smash up against them it's famously the shots that they the the animators on Jurassic Park the movie used were of uh, rhinos smashing up against vehicles like that when they were animating the T Rex chasing and, and ramming up against the jeep in the movie. Sure, um, there is exactly the source images they used. So um, it just it just seems I'd like, say it's sorry. it's likely. It it, it just seems like uh, if if that specific thing was based in reality there's just reading all of his other stuff so far it feels like there should have been a line you know like 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 rhinos in africa yes exactly but they're like we don't know why it just seemed oddly throwaway so i don't know i mean my 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 frog dna idea is that it has to do with that it seems like a lot of the uh pack predators in Jurassic Park that a lot of the the pack predator dinosaurs have stripes so oh. and they haven't described the 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 herbivores having stripes uh-huh. so uh-huh. It, it could be a suggestion that like uh, striped dinosaurs are more aggressive they're more you know predatory mm-hmm. and the and, and the herbivores know that instinctively somehow or something yeah which is is weird to suggest, but fine. Um, we have a lot of that shit coded into our brains. I guess uh, we just don't know why. And so for him to suggest that there's a thing in there and he, he also says that they don't know why, but it works implies that he knows why as the author. And if his no, why is my supposition, if they're the same answer, then that's a lot of presuming. <laughs> yeah. It just... And, and, and that just seems hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. Maybe he meant to come back to it and forgot, because he's not—he's not been that sloppy. Yeah, 
What's your overview? My review is that something about the way Hammond is written here feels very authentic. And I think this is what you were talking about earlier. Um, this idea that he's written kind of like a petulant child. Like he's always whining about how it's his park and he it's, it's my park and that's, and that's fine. And, and if everybody's telling him how great the park is, but as soon as people are like, Oh dude, your park's all fucked up. Then he's like, I'm going to take my ball and go home then. Fine. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have to play with you. It's my park. And that like, just something about like that and his, and his tendency to care much more about like accentuating the extravagant nature of the park over the like safety or the infrastructure, even like the fact that the, the, the center isn't built, the restaurants, not built, the dock isn't built specifically that oh, the dock, dock isn't built. Fuck. Yeah. It is like, where, where Arnold says to him, like, you didn't want to spring for a reinforced dock, so now we have a really unsafe dock, so, etc. And it's like, I've I've dealt with enough bad managers to have experienced things like that, where it's like, I'm trying to tell you that you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. And I think part of being a manager is, like, turning off the part of your brain that tries to find a perfect solution and just finds a solution that moves people forward. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that that's one of the things that we're looking at here is exactly that. I think uh, you're absolutely right. I think it's a it's a it's a perfect um, it fits with the childlike Hammond we've seen so far as like the dark side of that, you know, avuncular leprechaun of a man who's super excited about sharing his park with everyone, um, which they didn't really show him his dark side in the movie. They just made him like a. A Willy Wonka in over his head, but I, I think this mm-hmm. is in keeping with the character, and it's just cool to see both sides of him. To see the fun guy kicking his yeah. legs on the plane, super excited, and the petulant child, like you said. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say? I have nothing else to say. Well, that brings us to chapter twenty-seven. Stegosaur. Uh, before we get into it, though, uh, do you have a problem with them swapping out? Stegosaur for Triceratops. I mean, Triceratops seems to be hands down a lot more popular. And I can see why they switched that in the movie. Um, it was nice to see Triceratops, but also sad to see it on its side. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you, there's not a lot of trikes in the, in any of the other movies either. I like, thought you said there a... was a, a good scene with them in two, maybe, or three? I thought um, you mentioned something. The Triceratops? Yeah. No, the Stegos. The Stegos are in two. Yeah, the, there's there's at least one shot in two of Triceratops also, but it's in the camp when they're when they're in cages and shit. Um, and then when they let them loose after they are all captured, mm-hmm. um, but not not enough not not much more than that one big sick triceratops scene right. it would be really cool to see a jurassic park movie it'd be cool to see a jurassic park movie that was done in the style of jurassic park and not in the like well nobody likes dinosaurs anymore what if we made them dinosaur hybrids shit cuz i i didn't i don't like that aspect of the new movies it's that's completely it, fair just i just don't enjoy it. i i for, i'm i'm of a generation where dinosaurs were enough <laughs> in um, my day and uh, and like like having a story built around having dinosaurs involved in that story was cooler than having a story about how we made 
hybrid dinosaur and it was also invisible. Right. Like, that just was... the way that that's handled seems so much like... Oh, like when you're like a kid and so and you have like and you've like some someone you're playing with has done like you've done something really cool in your pretend world. You're like, yeah. And then I do this. And then they're like, yeah, well, like um, you have a T-Rex, but like I have a different dinosaur and it's bigger than the T-Rex. Like, yeah, it's much and it's smarter and it's more scary. And like it's also invisible whenever it wants to be. It's invisible. So my dinosaur is better than your dinosaur kind of thing. And it just, it smacks of that so hard. Children, children are the worst at improv. <laughs> oh, no, it's children. a good point. Um, that is exactly what it is like, uh, in world's defense. I will say there's for me personally, there's something more compelling about having the, we're coming to the happy park and then everything goes to hell aspect of both Jurassic Park and Jurassic World whereas like Jurassic the sequels to Jurassic Park were going to the dangerous island which never felt as interesting see it's very it's, it's really interesting to me like mm-hmm. that's that's the part that I find really compelling and yeah. interesting um, is going to the dangerous island because like especially after the first movie you know how scary that place is you wouldn't want to go back if you were any one of those people you wouldn't go back and they always have to get a reason to go back and mm-hmm. I love that like I okay. love that there's like is it basically the place is so scary that people are like nah let's just leave it alone like what's the worst that could happen they just they'll die out or they'll survive or whatever but it's this weird little dino paradise on earth and it's just it is what it is now and 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 the fact that they have to keep going back i i really enjoy but like i don't think i i don't have i don't have any reason to to watch any other Jurassic park story like that's how i look at it is like this just that's the stuff that's fun it's like especially in the very last film uh which i you have not seen no no i i but you don't care about no go for it yeah so and spoilers to anybody else who hasn't seen Jurassic world fallen kingdom uh stop listening now uh, the the island blows up and kills all the dinosaurs on the island. That's what you're led to believe is that all the dinosaurs that were on the island die in a volcanic fallout because the vol- the volcanic base of the island explodes. Well, how can they have Jurassic World Dominion then? Uh, they take a bunch of them off the island. Oh, and and take them to Earth or to, to Earth to uh you know the mainland, um, and they start auctioning them off to incredibly rich people, and then. Just like in Lost World, their plan to like capture and bring a bunch of dinosaurs to the mainland doesn't work out. The dinosaurs get free, and then they're running around in the wilderness on the mainland, potentially to repopulate in the wild. Okay. So that's where that movie I think ended, but like it was a I did not enjoy it uh, nearly as much as even the even Jurassic World because at least Jurassic World was like we're back on the park, we're back with the island. Like, even if the dinosaur threat is stupid, the main dinosaur is stupid, it's still... Even the fish dinosaur pisses me off. Like, oh, the big... Really? The big... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why what, what does that piss you Dude, off? Dude, like... Okay, uh, let me ask you this. <laughs> how did how did they get... How did they get the DNA for the dinosaurs? I, clearly, I like to sun itself... And come up to the... Okay, now, no, you're answering the second question first. Answer the first question, please. What was the first question? How did they get the dinosaur DNA? From mosquitoes in amber. Well, technically in the book, it's from bugs in amber. Because they it's... mentioned that it could come from flies and other things. 
Anything that can store blood in some sort of pouch, yes. Sure. But that's how they got it. Um, right. So, how do you expect there to be... Where do you expect, I guess, there to be a whole bunch of amber and incredibly deep water ocean where you could get both of those things to happen. It just seems like, I mean, like I, I get it's a, it's a, it's a fictional story about dinosaurs coming back to life and shit. It just seems like you, but you, in order for the suspension of disbelief to work, you have to set forth rules and you have to follow those rules. Lest the suspension be dropped. It likes to come to the surface and sun itself and the mosquitoes attack it then. That, but, but the surface is, is, could be anywhere. It it's an extremely it deep water animal. It gets beached. Sure. Fine. I guess that's fine. Boom. It just also seems like dumb. I bet they were very excited when they found out they had a fishosaurus. The uh, I don't remember what that thing's called either, but I, I remember it starts with an M. Just thinking, I think it's not the megalodon it, because that's a shark. No, it's like a mamasaurus or mamasaurus. Mamasaurus. Yeah. Because there's one big mother. Embarrassing. Um. <laughs> All right, let's get to the uh, meat of this chapter. All right, my my page is 161. My page is well, well, well. But 61, 61 might come before, so why don't you go ahead? Okay. Uh, just at this point, I it was the first time they had mentioned that uh, that velociraptors are breeding on the island. Mm-hmm. They, Specifically raptors. Right. And... I just thought that that was fucking terrifying. And I really wish that that had been incorporated into the movie more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that in the, you mentioned this in an episode before, but the, uh, there is a scene where we find eggs where in the movie where Grant and the kids find a, a clutch right. and he sniffs it and he does that whole moment. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, and I think we learn at that moment that it was, I think it was Raptors. I thought that was Raptors. Um, Maybe not. I think, I, I think he, I think he identifies it and acknowledges that it's Raptors. Uh, because of the claw shapes, mm-hmm. but like that isn't part of what happens in the in the story after that. Like those wild raptors aren't the raptors that are attacking right the 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 park guests and everybody. It's the it's the captive raptors that were let out that atta- that escaped their their paddock that are the ones that are hunting everyone. So it would have just been cool if they could be like, oh, you thought there was like four raptors. No, <laughs> we don't know how many raptors there are kind of thing. So it would, I really like that. Same with the, well, I guess that's later, but like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know. I, I think I have a note on that too later. Yeah. Yeah. But th- this was a part I was really, I wish it would have been a little bit more in the, in the movie. Sure. What's um, your note? My note, I want to get to this. Why the hell did the movie introduce the mystery of the poisoned dinosaur and not answer it when all it took was a fucking line of dialogue? You had Ellie kneeling there looking at the berries. You could have spent 30 seconds to tell us about a fucking gizzard and gizzard stones. Yeah. I mean, I was disclosure. I watched the movie after having read the book and I'm like, but you, you brought it up. Why did you bring it up if you're not... Because you need to separate Ellie, that you could have come on. I don't know. It always, it has always bugged me. It always stuck in my craw. Yeah, it would have been nice if at any point Grant had said to her. I mean, I guess the answer is because, like, in terms of what the characters learn, it's not important. 
Um, it's not important for the narrative to know whether or not she, like, what she figured out. It, it is. It's a good point. It's it's, it's, it's Chekhov's gun thing. Yeah. It's not not in the sense of it has to go off, but the sense that you should be removing unnecessary things. And, like, if you, if you had replaced being sick with the West Indian lilac, the idea that they're not eating it, the idea that you have the one big pile of shit, all this stuff that's in the movie that's great... Um, you'd have to, you'd remove that and give it what? Like, that they were attacked? Like, this could be where you link it into the uh, the dinosaurs that are loose on the island. Like, it could have been a raptor attack, and this could have been a moment where they're like, they learn that. that that's, that, I, I see that, although I also see not doing it because you don't want to, you don't want to spring the raptors yet. Because you right. want to save them. Um, I guess I'm just thinking, you've built an entire sick triceratops that can breathe and lift right. Grant off his feet. You've, you've put together one big pile of dinosaur shit. You've done all the scene setting. It seems it, it just to get them to split up, just finish it. Just, just give us a little right. button on, you know, our, 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 our third act of this mini arc. So we can like, Oh, you know what it is? Cause I even thought that came up later where she figures it out later. Like I thought, I, I thought I, in my head I had it. She goes back in the Jeep has her discussion with Hammond and then, Oh, it's the gizzards. I get it. That's what it is. But no, it's all tied up here. Fucking just finish it. Yeah. I think that part of the problem is that in this part of the story, they're on like a beach, uh, maybe the edge of a lake. Yeah. They're, they're on a part, a section where there are washed up West Indian lilac berries with near the stones. Oh, I did. And that's I how they were just, they, 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 they dropped off the bushes and they scoop up the stones. You're talking about in the book? Yeah. Because in the book, he's specifically saying they look like river rocks, but there's no river nearby. They're not oh. smooth. And that's how they figure out, oh, it's because they're being ground up in their gizzard. That's why they're smooth. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm misremembering. I guess I'll just assume you're right because I don't have I don't have a page note on where this thing is. Uh... Point is, no, no. Oh, no, you're right. Here it is. It's, it's this part. He says... We must be near the beach because of uh, because all these rocks are smooth and they're in funny little piles. He says we must be near the beach, but they're they also might not be at all. I think I think I later don't know. on it's... he's like there's no beach. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean it would be as simple as showing the the rocks and the piles and being like, "Oh, look at that." But like and then, and then that would even explain why she sticks around afterwards, because she's like, "Oh, I just want to stay. I want to stay with the trike or the stego and see what it, see how it's doing. I want to make sure it's. I want to learn more about this thing." Right. And then everybody else goes on. I, I don't. I don't think it would have been too hard to add. But the movie isn't perfect. Like I think it's great. I think it's a fantastic film. Sure. It isn't perfect. It's got a lot of problems. <laughs> um, this is definitely one of them. The the like loose end of the stick di- the sick dinosaur is huge did it ever bother and also, you before they, like, you knew what it was yes okay always and it never comes up in any of the other movies right in in the uh, none of the other movies are they like you know these west indian lilac plants that are on the island have gotten out of hand and all the dinosaurs are dying because they keep eating this west indian lilac and we never figured out why we never figured out why they're they look like they're poisoned with them but they don't eat them Hmm. It never happens. So, yeah, just you, you'd think this just because the humans left the island doesn't mean this problem would stop. Right. Happening. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Is that it for that chapter? That's it for that chapter. Well, that brings us to chapter 28. Control. 
Again with the control. <laughs> we get it. So controlling. I don't have any notes for this chapter. Oh, I've got a note for this chapter. Uh, this chapter had a profound effect on me, I think. Uh, just just how I approach a lot of things. Because uh, I, I think I remember talking with my mom about it, and she, she really highlighted this, this concept of... Um, we asked the computer, are there 238 raptors or 238 dinosaurs? Like, yeah, there's fucking 238 ra- dinosaurs. We ask the computer every day, are there 238? Yeah, there's 238 times. We never thought to ask the computer, are there 250? Yes, there are. Oh, shit. And it just like, that, that, that was such a mind-blowing takeaway of like, oh, of how to like ask your question, but maybe reframe it in a different way to get answers that you feel are there but you can't get to and it, it, it's helped it's helped me a lot google searches talking to people this was like a big wow. moment uh growing up where i was just like oh shit yeah it matters what you ask huh yeah the like i had a, somebody ask me today um a question i don't i don't remember what the question was but i remember the way i answered it was something like well, I can't answer the question you've asked because what you're asking is, uh, if 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 a you know essentially like if this result is caused by this other thing, uh, and I can't answer that, but I can tell you that this result is present, and I don't know if it's a result of this other thing. Right. I don't have a better way to describe it because I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember that was the the logic jump in my brain was like, you know, it's 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 that uh, logical fallacies things. It's mm-hmm. not like you know. I can't two things can exist and they could correlate, but I can't prove that they cause that they're causal. Right. So that sort of thing. And it's like, if you ask, if you ask the question of, is this causal? Then the answer is it could be, but like what you want is you want me to say yes. So like you're, this person was asking me to, to do that. Yes. And I, I didn't. So it was, uh, it's that that uh, it's it's like what you're talking about. Like if I if I go online and I say, can I can I lose weight by drinking milkshakes? I'll get articles that tell me how to lose weight drinking milkshakes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that it's the best way to lose weight, but if it's how I want to convince myself I'm losing weight, then I can convince myself I'm doing that. <laughs> that you are in control. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it was an interesting that like this is a big book takeaway before I ever even saw the movie for me. That I had this moment that has you know been with me since I read this way back in the day. Wow. Um, That's cool. Yeah. But also, oh shit, thirty-seven raptors. Yeah. That's and that's only on the island. Right. 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 Because at this point they don't know about the boat. Right. Um, but that's that's. That's that's terrifying. I mean, I know we're taking a lot of what we know about the three raptors from the film, but damn. Yeah. That's a lot of raptors. Yeah. I, I wish that they had explained how the, like, okay, so the raptors are still the only dino that's not, am I, am I incorrect? They're not loose in the park? No, I think they are, because Tim saw one. Oh. No, no. Deliberately loose in the park. Like, their paddock is... Yes. Separate and contained. Yes. Right. So, like... How did that happen? How did the initial raptors... Maybe maybe it's not contained for a baby. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they bred in the... Yeah, okay. Ugh. A baby could, could Terrifying. just squeeze out and they... they, they... Remember, they, they are genetically bred to 
achieve adulthood quickly. So they could probably be on its own yeah. and forage and get big real quick and then breed outside of it. Now, And so this hasn't been brought up, and I don't know if it will be, are the the bread dinosaurs, the natal dinosaurs, if you will, um, do they have the lysine contingency? Or is that because they were, you know, born normally... Um, is that is that bred out of them? I think that those are the kind of questions that the book would. If I was writing the book, I would answer that we have no idea because we didn't count on this. Right. Like we, they weren't supposed to breed, so we and we haven't been able to test them, so we have no idea. This is a completely new ball game. Right. We are in uncharted territory. Clearly, they aren't they they aren't lysine deficient because they haven't died. They've they're maturing. So, and I don't know if the book goes into that, I mean, so I'm hoping it does. If it talks about so, it, just through observation, I can say. I mean, maybe they'll go into like, oh, yeah, but they've been they're still feeding at the same place. We're feeding the other ones with the tablets or they are, which, again, I wish they would explain um, or were like you mentioned earlier, maybe eat the goat that has eaten the tablet like and somehow that makes sense and works. I still don't believe it would. Sure. Um, anyway, yeah, it could be anything. I hope they I hope he addresses it. That's it. That's all I've got. And then that brings us to chapter twenty nine breeding sites. My first note is on page one sixty eight. Uh, this note is that I, I can accept that Dr. Grant is the world's foremost expert on velociraptors. Okay. Uh, how the fuck does he know they're nocturnal? Oh, it's, uh, it's a well-known fact that, uh, certain, certain dinosaurs, um, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. It doesn't make any sense. He just says it. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of like the one we, we ran into earlier with the red stripe. It's like, just, just a little bit more here. Just, uh, I know they're nocturnal because, because so far he's been really good about that. And it does. Why, why wouldn't he just give that line to someone else? Like someone oh. who's been on the island and observing the dinosaurs behaviors, like somebody else who like, like Dr. The, Wu or somebody right. else who's like, Oh, you know, the, actually the velociraptors are nocturnal. We've learned that from working with them. Cause there is some kind of power in having the stranger come in and go, you idiots. Did you not think about this? And having everyone look sheepish and dumb. And, but, but. Malcolm's doing so much of that. True. I mean, the only argument I can see is like he wanted, he wanted Grant to be a hero too. Is that is that he felt like it was uneven and Grant needed to have some you know home runs too, and sure. it's like fine, but like he has the eggs, he finds the eggs, right? Like he uh, both both Malcolm, Ellie, and Grant all get a moment, mm-hmm. um, but like for some reason Grant has this weird assertion that they're nocturnal again if there's anything else that could that you could learn from the bones about that they're nocturnal fine but like well or or the spacing of like because they they found you know clutches or they found there, there are other things besides bones that you, they could take information from but yes that should have been addressed it should have told us why that was yeah it, it, like like if you found the bones of an owl there's no way you could tell i don't think there's a way you could tell owls are nocturnal right just from their bones. Like, from, I, what's well, the other information? From how big their eye cavities are, because their eyes have to be huge to take in the nighttime. The nightlight? The night. Possibly. I would accept that, but, like, show me something. I'm not an ornithologist, so I do not know. Just guessing. That's it for my notes. I have an overview, and that's, uh, that's all I have. Uh, 187 from a Kindle, Kindle 187. Frog DNA! Yeah, we're finally getting close to yeah, frog DNA being... frog DNA. ...being fully validated... My other, my other, uh, deeply personal takeaway from Jurassic Park. 
trying to, <laughs> trying to explain uh, why I have so many misunderstandings with my wife to my wife. I seized upon Jurassic Park once upon a time and went, you know, because I frog DNA shit. And she's like, what? I'm like, I just fill in the gaps. And she's like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just became a running thing where I'm just like, oh, frog yeah. DNA. Because I make up all kinds of shit that does not fit, but I make it fit. And then raptors are breeding. <laughs> yeah, that's you've learned all the right lessons. <laughs> Anything else? No, that's it. My my overview here is that it still feels like it's kind of slow. It's still like we talked about this earlier, but like still kind of mostly rising action. Sure. That they're picking up. Like I, I like the the these were good chapters. I enjoyed reading these. I'm, I really want some action now, though. Sure. I'm, like, really ready for some real action. I mean, um, we ended outside the T-Rex paddock. The lights are out. I feel like we're going to get some action. It's imminent. We, we it, Nedry is on his way to the East Dock. We, so, like, about that, does, does he not know the boat's already left? Is because I don't know if... Different dock. Is it a different boat? Are there two boats? I think there's two boats. Because remember, they call, called and got permission to leave. But you, you think that's two boats? Or is he going to two a dock boats. that's empty? Two boats. Okay. Okay. Two docks. Okay. I don't remember two docks. I remember there being an East Dock in the movie. I don't remember. Um, but I will absolutely take your word for it. Or if you want to look it up, you can do that too. No, I'm not looking it up. I'm just looking. I was just checking out my uh, sweet oh. little Oh, you got the map. map. God damn it. In my that book. Map. And I was going to try to see if I could see anything on the map that would explain it. And I, I don't see anything. I see caves. Don't look too ahead. I see something that I see. Oh no, I'm not looking. I'm just in the just looking at the right. the map, man. Fucking talking about caves. Um, I don't know what the caves mean, but I see caves, and I see boathouse. Oh, this is dumb. I, this map is is full of spoilers. Yeah, I told you not to look at it. Well, you didn't know it was full of spoilers. I had a hint. Hmm. All right. I guess I'll stop looking at it. But it doesn't have docks on it. For some reason, this map that comes with this book that's supposed to show me what the island looks like and does doesn't have maps on it. Uh-huh. I I'm fairly confident there's two two docks. Um, I feel like Nedry missed the 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 concept that the boat was leaving early. That was the whole reason they gave us Hammond going. But I want the stuff, and them going, "No, you're an idiot. You didn't pay for the good docks. Oh, okay. The boat's gonna die. Okay. We don't fucking need this shit." We've got yeah. the food. Okay. Let him go. Fine, you can go. We have permission. Yes, you have permission. Okay, go. Nedry, meanwhile, is like, I'm going to the docks because I got 20 minutes. And gotcha. okay. he's going to go there. And maybe he could still get lost, or maybe he'll get there and there'll be no boat. And he'll go, what the fuck? Um, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We will see. But uh, but I also like that uh, Like like this is another part, part in this chapter where we see another moment that I feel like was written for the screen, like where... Muldoon's looking out on the park, mm-hmm. and then he turns around just as Nedry's jeep drives yes, past. That was like very cinematic. You're right, but also well yeah, done. Little it didn't bits... feel too ham-handed the way I've 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 run into things in other books where it felt like they, they want this to be in a movie, but they did not do that well. This felt I'm like yeah no totally that description worked. Yeah, timing worked perfectly. I totally knew what he was getting at. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I I definitely was bummed out when I finished reading these chapters because it's like i want to read more <laughs> i want to read more so i'm psyched to be able to go read more now excellent i uh i'm trying to think of the stuff we didn't address in that we that happen in in terms of in the story in these chapters like we get to uh nedry has his whole like thing where he sets the he takes up over all the phones he you know shuts down all security systems he doesn't seem to understand that that means that all the fences also shut down like 
I feel like that might be along the lines of his. Uh, one thing we've definitely seen in these books is a a sloppy approach or or a sloppy result of complacency. Mm-hmm. We, we saw it early on. We saw um, Nedry thinking he only had the you know X X lines, but the internal lines were were included as well. He's clearly not the best when it comes to bugs. Even though I realize bugs are. normal part of computer programming um he's complacent in a way that he's like oh that's a bug too shit i didn't even think about that um and i think this might be another one where he thinks defenses will be fine but because of something he missed they're not so he might think the fences are on i don't know he i think he must but like he's fucking wrong (laughs) he is um i I think i think what i think it is is that he he probably thinks that the so he was working on the computer engineering aspect, right? right? I, d- I think Muldoon mentions that when the power goes out, the fences aren't powered by the auxiliary power. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't... Nec- I, I would believe that that would be something that the the coding engineer wouldn't know. That a you know operations engineer would know. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, but that the coding engineer wouldn't. Well, especially so with like, him playing things so close to his vest and not letting everybody know what everyone else is doing. Right. So, like, I think that he probably just anticipated, like, oh, yeah, and then the backup generators will turn on, everything will be safe and fine, and I'll get to the docks, and I'll be back, and I'll be fine. But like you said, or like like we mentioned before, it's it's all about control. It's this illusion of control. You think you know how... You think you can handle complicated systems, and you can't. Chaos. Baby. Uh, I know there's got to be something else that we, we, we haven't talked about that was happening in these... Le- chapters that's Lex playing worth- pickle <laughs> i looked up pickle briefly that, that's and just I'm, catch right I, i'm guessing catch or some sort of baseball variant of horse or you spell pickle yeah i don't i don't know I, I looked it up and everyone's like the pickle running and i stopped i just like i don't i'm not even i don't care i don't care it's sports i'd stop yeah me. <laughs> um oh we didn't talk about the raptors on the boat oh yeah we should talk about the raptors on the boat okay. lex seeing the raptors on the boat mm-hmm um, pretty fucking huge like reveal. Like I didn't see it coming. Like I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, I because the boats talked about the boats clearly a way that goes back and forth from the mainland, etc. The dinosaurs getting on the boat should have been so obvious. What the reason it wasn't obvious for me is kind of because of David Attenborough. So David Attenborough did a uh a doc that i have in my house uh about the galapagos islands okay and he talks about like that the reason one of the reasons that they believe that the islands have so many distinct species that are so such strange variants of even themselves like how you can have all these different versions of tortoises or all these different versions of like you know like lizard or bird or whatever uh, is because they were in isolation from each other, right? Well, but they're also volcanic, like, in structure. So it's not like they were part of the same landmass that, like, broke apart or something like that. Like, it wasn't like these, it wasn't like the, uh, like, this idea of, like, there's some event that separated the species from each other, and then that's how they, like, evolve separately it's more like they were never really on the same island together in the first place so the idea is that somehow or maybe they were but, but sorry so the idea is that somehow these volcanic landmasses came to came to like be above the the ocean to be actual landmasses and somehow animals had to get to them 
And so the idea of how that happened was things like, you know, natural rafts or natural transitioning uh, things like, you know, you get a bunch of wood together, you get a big storm, you get a big hurricane that comes through, tosses a bunch of of, uh, trees out into the ocean Mm -hmm. and a bunch of animals. The animals find their way onto the trees to, to survive and to stay afloat. Those eventually float onto the island and make like they make landfall. These animals get off and get on the island. And then more than one has gotten off and landed on the island after these big storms or things like that. And then suddenly, suddenly you have a population that can live there. So that happens. But the, animals that got swept off don't all go to the same island the same species from the same event could go to different islands once they're there those different species those same species breed create like interbreeding systems create like uh, dominant traits that are isolated from the others suddenly you have an entirely new species of the same original type of animal so like I was expecting there to be something like that happening on Jurassic Park where the dinosaurs were getting swept off somehow onto a natural land raft and were being taken to the mainland through that action. I mean, we, the, a big part of this story is that a storm comes to the island and, and rocks the, the dock mm-hmm. so that they can't, like, you know, hang out there anymore. Or so they, they can't wait for Nedry. They, and that's how the dinosaurs are getting off the island, as we find at this point. But, like the storm itself was something I was really kind of anticipating being a big part of like what pushes the dinosaurs, these recurring storms sure. being something that pushes the dinosaurs off the Island. So I'm, I'm happier with this version of it. Okay. Cause it's, cause you it's, were, you weren't seeing how it could happen before. No, I, I was, I was seeing it being like, like I said before, the natural land. Rafts well, I know, I know, natural- I know, I know, I understand, but I, 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 I'm saying the book was the first thing that suggested the dinosaurs were getting off the Island. Yes. The movie yes. did not have that happen at all, and you would just express dismay that that was happening. You didn't, you you weren't necessarily buying it. So I like I understand that you could construct the storm had something to do with it, but you didn't like the idea. But you're happier with this. Yeah, got it. Much happier, much happier, because it was, it, the it, it's the the um the the kind of storm that you're talking about would have to be really severe, and it would have to. Like the the likelihood of the dinosaur surviving that long is low, right? Like Especially it, with at, the, at sea, the lysine, right? Right. So like, it, the 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 ship makes a lot more sense. What doesn't make sense is how they're getting off the island on the ship and no one on the ship notices. Um, I I feel a lot of that is just just going back to that. You guys are so not in control. You well, you, I also you, think you, that this so. This, caught up with your i know i'm not trying to do that um but you're so impressed with your levels of security you're not considering all these things that you should also be checking i think that it's also that this is the first time the raptors are getting off true i that's my guess is that i don't we don't know that that's true but that's my guess is that the compies had got off before they're smaller they're harder to see this might be the first time raptors have gotten off the island raptors are going to be easier to see maybe they'll attack the crew maybe the ship won't make it ghost ship um yeah like like in the second movie i mean that that's for a less cool reason but that's what happens in the second film Mm -hmm. it's also what happens in dracula it is what happens in dracula it's also what happens oh it doesn't happen there anyway yeah um is there any of the other things that happen in these chapters that we didn't talk about that we should talk about oh uh Richard Kiley. Yes. Oh my God. I almost forgot because I didn't write it down. I was sure you were going to. Richard Kiley. What do you think about that? I think it's cool. 
I mean, I think it's cool that that's officially like that was the thing they they made sure to do it, uh, you know, in mean, the movie. It, it kind of blows your dad's theory out of the water. Yeah, I, I uh, uh, but you know, I told him about that, and he was like, "Oh wow." <laughs> He was like, cause he, I was like, I told him about it. I was like, you know, you remember you saying this? Your, 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 your dad, Owen Wilson. Oh yes, that, exactly. It was a very good impression of him. I, I used it so that, you know, I used that impression of him. That's so accurate. So that people. Hey dog, I really appreciate you telling me about that Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. It sounds exactly <laughs> like it. so bad. Um, sounds like your dad though, right? I, it, I, it sounds like I was talking to him. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I, oh. I told him and he, he was, I think he was like, oh, cool. You know, I, I didn't know. Um, or I didn't remember or whatever. And, uh, but I, I still like, I like both. I like both. I can live in a world where both are right. Sure. Sure. Where, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what we, what we get next. People go and get chomped. Um, oh, well, okay. Um, I'm not trying to spoil too much, but the party outside the paddock is not the party that's outside the paddock in the movie. Did you catch that? That it is because Gennaro stayed behind Mal- to oogle Ellie. Oh, I I did notice that, but I didn't. I, I guess I didn't really notice it the way you're asking. Well, I'm just saying. Um, I'm just saying. It seems like the stage is set for differences. It is. It is absolutely set for. But there's also no adult in their car. I don't think. I oh, thought wait, no. Is it the Ed, red Ed Regis is with the kids? Ed Regis, okay. And Malcolm okay. and Alan are are having their adult talk. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, the addition of Ed Regis, or, you know, rather, the exclusion of him from the film, I guess, it's all confusing. The it's all hard to... Up, but it does that lead to... If events play out like they did in the movie, there's still a different fate up in the air for somebody. Right. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I was just like, hey, Gennaro's not going with him. And then Malcolm's like... Yeah. <laughs> He's staying behind. Grant's like, yeah, it's for Ellie and... Malcolm's like the shorts, right? Man, all versions of Malcolm's just horny. <laughs> Super horny. So are you and uh, Dr. Sadler? Uh... Oh, I shouldn't have asked. I think that's what he says in the movie. I just remember Grant's very curt. Yeah. I'm always on the lookout for the future ex-Mrs. Malcolm. I know so many women who want to be the future Mrs. ex-Mrs. Malcolm, however you say that. <laughs> Shut up. Dude, I'm just saying. There's a, The future there's a... Mrs. X. Future Mrs. X. Mrs. Malcolm. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying ladies like Goldblum. They do. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, <laughs> it's important. It should be addressed. One of the things I'm finding interesting and I, I, it's hard for me is that there's the different types of dinosaurs they're talking about. Like there, there's the one in these chapters where they describe the, there's the dino that was like in the trees. Mm-hmm. I forget what type that one was, but they, the way they described it made it sound like a small raptor. I thought, isn't that the one they said was like the gazelle of the world? I, I assumed it was the uh, the stampede dinosaurs that they were in the middle of. No, that's that's uh, Gala Gala Gallimimus. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. It's something about maybe that is what they're referencing, but the Gallimimus isn't listed in the books at all. True. Um, oh, another thing I really liked about uh, you mentioned this might be in the same chapter, but you mentioned about Malcolm's mic drop. Is this idea of like, let me guess, when you moved onto the island, you had a rat problem, a rodent problem, and and I have a and I and I'd like to take a guess that you're no longer having that problem, but you you expected to have to fix it later, but you don't have it anymore. Just and they were like, away. 
Yeah. He, he like, gave them yes. a subtle little out. Like, it was very good cop, bad cop. It was like, yeah, it just faded away, right? And then they could agree to that, but he still, like, got the gotcha moment of, that was fucking stupid. Right. It was great. So well done. Yeah. Love that chapter. Yeah. All right. Well, in our in the next episode of Death Readers, we'll be reading through the fourth iteration through into the park or in the park what's the actual title of fourth iteration because that's the that's like the book isn't it you it is the actual t- uh, title of the chapter is the main road so fourth iteration the main road to in the in park. the park which is followed immediately by a chapter called control <laughs> so but we're not going to read control no control no we're not not this time. We'll have control watch. How many controls are we going to hit? Don't you look. never had control. Sorry. Is that the there's, illusion? There's the line. That's the illusion. Yeah. Well, I think that was Death Readers. Uh, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. These reviews might seem silly, but they actually help us out a lot. Check us out on Twitter, at RealDeathReader. If you want more Death Readers content, there's more available by joining Death Readers Patreon at www.patreon.com slash deathreaders. If you hate us and want to tell us how terrible we are, please send all hate mail comments to our Reddit account, you slash deathreaders. Oh, is that how I edit? Is that what you want me to do? So, so Rob, when you're hearing this, just cut, cut this burp out. <laughs> Chapter 26. What about it? Does it bring us to that? Does it bring us to that? Yeah, because you usually say that brings us to chapter 26. I can't bring you you there, Dave. (laughs) Does it bring us to that? It's a totally different author and director. I know, but like that's how you sounded when you said that to me. You sounded like Hal. I'm, I'm Hal. I don't know. Does it bring us to that? What are you doing, Doug? You're like the uh, you're like the another another author another director, but like Alan Tudyk's character in uh, I Robot. I did not murder him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, then that brings us to chapter twenty six. Control. There we go. What? Um, no, you don't get to do that. There we go. You did it. <laughs> I knew you bitch. had it in you. I knew it. I knew it. I had faith the whole time. Mm-hmm. Rob finds a way. That's what I said to myself. I'm going to take it because that's awesome. That's epic and I love it. I told you you could cut that out and you could have this virginal territory I... unto yourself. Well, I wouldn't know what to do with virginal territory. And that's why I let I just you left, let it, it alone. What? Like the Star Trek actor? Yes. Because the trees are Kelly Green. I'm a doctor, not a log layer. <laughs> because if you were deforesting, mm. you would be removing logs. Yeah. Plumber, plumbers That's remove the... logs, too. Ew. They remove clogs. They don't remove logs. You know who also removes clogs? Cobblers. <laughs> and that brings us right back to star trek <laughs> um uh but because, because of kim Cattrall's stories about the sabots the wooden shoes the dutch workers threw into the automation and thus invented the word sabotage in the movie star trek 6 the undiscovered country 
What were you gonna say? Um, <laughs> control. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs>